All right. Hare Krishna. So we have a very, very wonderful, as always, <laughs> wonderful part of the Bhagavatam today. And we're starting on um, the seventh canto, chapter 10, verse 14, after a bit of hiatus also because of uh, Bhumi Puja and uh, Sri Krishna Janmastami, Vyasa Puja, etc. <clears throat> so what is happening is um, the Lord here, uh, I was going to say the Lord Hiranyakashipu, the Lord Nishingadev is saying the next, this amazing statement that one who always remembers your activities, he's speaking to Prahlad, and my activities also, and who chants the prayers you have offered, becomes free in due course of time from the reactions of material activities. And I, I think this word uh, kala in the Sanskrit is is an important one, Prabhupada translated it in due course of time. Karma bhandat, uh, we become free from material activity. So it doesn't, as a general rule, in such things do not happen overnight. In um, I'm teaching the nectar of devotion for devotees in Bangalore, Iskand Bangalore, and the question comes up, you know, when we when we read the um, the results of the different 64 items of bhakti, taking charnamrita and um, uh, offering prayers and uh, standing, you know, um, uh, worshiping Tulsi, you know, the, the various 64 items. That, well, I'm doing that every day and I don't feel prema bhakti. Um, the, none of, Rupa Goswami says that none of these are exaggerations. Um, they may apply to some people and sometimes, and also, as we see in this verse, uh, kale, that it's, you know, due course of time, these things happen. If, you know, we, um, we may think having practiced Krishna consciousness for 10 or 20 or more years is a long time, but we also have to keep in mind the, the cosmic time factor. And that, uh, again, like Srila Prabhupada writes that Lord Brahma's life of 311 trillion, 640 billion years is a lightning flash in eternity. So, so we may have to, um, you know, keep that in mind. But so I like it. So it says in due course of time. And in this purport, uh, Prabhupada also writes, a devotee should not be aggrieved in an awkward position. <clears throat> nor should he feel extraordinarily happy in material opulence. This is the way, and, and I love this sentence, this is the way of expert management of material life. Because the devotee knows how to manage expertly, he is called Jivan Mukta. So um, the verse that's quoted just before that is that one doesn't get overly disturbed by happiness or distress. Um, fear and anger and has a steady mind. And, you know, again, that happiness is, is either material or celestial happiness, but not necessarily spiritual happiness. Um, but we can get very easily overwhelmed, always seeking that thing that is going to give us material happiness, always trying to avoid those things that give us material distress and, um, transcending that. Or not being overly affected by that, as Srila Prabhupada says, is the way of expert management of our lives. And then ultimately, the expert management is becoming a jivan mukta, which is the verse that's quoted next. Iha 
Yasya Hare Dasye Karmana Manasagira Nikilas Vap Yavastasu Jivan Mukta Sauchate, a person acting in Krishna consciousness. Or in other words, in the service of Krishna with his body, mind, and intelligence and words is a liberated person even within this material world, although he may be engaged in many so-called material activities. So that, you know, so we may be going to work, we may be doing this, we may be doing that, we may be in the armed forces, whatever we may be, um, but we can become uh, liberated if we're um, focusing on Krishna and Krishna's service. And then Prabhupada ends the purport by uh, quoting this verse that, that from the Srimad Bhagavatam 11th canto that says, even one born in a family of meat eaters is purified if he engages in devotional service. Well, from, for some of us, thank God for that, right? Um, Srila Jiva Goswami cites this verse in logically supporting that anyone who chants about the pure life and activities of Prahlad Maharaj is freed from the reactions of material activities. So it, it happens on various levels. So it happens, you know, just, you know, kind of mystically. Okay, we hear about Palad Maharaj and we become purified. Um, but also it, 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 it satisfies the mind. It, it, it um, fills the intelligence with, with the path, with the thoughts about the, the relationship between Palad Maharaj and Lord Nishingadev, the pastimes of him being with his school, school friends and speaking to them about Krishna. The appearance of the Lord when the, the attempts of his father to try to kill him, the appearance of the Lord inside the pillar, um, the inability of the uh, demigods to pacify the Lord, and then a five-year-old boy being able to pacify him. So our remembrance of these things, you know, so, they, so I think what I'm trying to say, they act on different levels. They act on the subconscious level or the spiritual level purifying the heart by hearing about Krishna, but also they, in a very practical way, they fill our consciousness with spiritual thoughts and, and spiritual appreciation and um, reinforcing the, the gyan, the sambandha gyan that we hear, even, you know, the basic sambandha gyan that we may hear in the Bhagavad Gita, that we're not this body, that we're spirit souls, that we're parts and parcel of Krishna, um, that Krishna is all-powerful, Etc. So it acts on various levels, but um, it is greatly purifying. To, and therefore, Sanatana Goswami, in his prayers to the Srimad Bhagavatam, calls the Bhagavatam his only friend, or his greatest friend. I don't think his only friend, his greatest friend. Um, <coughs> he had other friends. <laughs> so some uh, questions, comments, thoughts on these points? I've other Goswamis could be counted among his friends. Yes, yes. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the this very interesting purport um, about seeing things in terms of cosmic time, and especially um, one's gradual advancement. And I was wondering, as I sometimes do, I don't think it's, I've never seen it in um, anywhere in Bhagavatam or any, any Shastra. Um, have you ever thought of how exactly our devotional progress gets transferred? I mean, of course, you know, that's not something that would ordinarily be revealed, but, you know, 
in in the next life, what form does it take? You know. Well, we know our we know our subtle body travels with us right to our next life, right? Um, yeah. And and because bhakti is directly a, a, a inherent part, or prema is directly an inherent part of the soul, who we are, it makes sense that that whatever and the soul is consciousness. We, we, we learn that from the Shastra. So whatever Krishna consciousness we have, who's really us anyway, right? The soul, um, carry it, it, it's, it's inherently carried with us. Um, and, uh, Henry and I were just talking the other day about, um, uh, on the, um, what is it called? The late morning show, <laughs> the late morning uh, yeah, program, the late morning program, whatever. Um, there was an interview with uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu, who is discussing um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's point about uh, and Jiva Goswami uh, that bhakti or prema is an inherent part of the soul. So that's the best I could I can come up with. Any, anyone have any thoughts on that? I'm, the, I, I, Vajri Hari's uh, answer is very, your answer is very nice. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, something I've thought about a lot. It's obviously difficult since we, well, all we can do is kind of like look at where we entered into this world and how and, you know, with some understanding of our nature i guess try to make some sense of things but it's really really hard and i guess that's part of the the devotion or, or faith part that you just gotta kind of trust the process without knowing a whole lot you know what i mean i guess it's part of it but you know i mean i was born into a family of, of meat eaters i don't know what that means maybe this is a new step I've taken or, or, or what, but uh, at the same time, I also know that ever since a very, very young age, I've kind of had a philosophical bent and even a bit of a tendency to Eastern thought, even though I haven't followed it a whole lot until really meeting Canari. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I guess the short answer, it's a really good question. No, but that, that's, a, that's a good point, Dean. Um, and we see, I think we, you know, that we have that, where does that inclination come from? Right. And, and, and I've seen over the years, and probably I'm sure you have Gurudas, you know, some people take to Krishna consciousness. And although I don't have a, um, you know, a television that's telling me this, it seems so clearly that they're picking up where they left off in their last life. You know, they, even like little things, like they immediately can put their T-lock on perfectly or something like that, or, or they just take to the, uh, you know, to the relatively austere life that, that especially brahmacharis live, um, with, with ease, without, with not a lot of effort. Well, I wish I could say that part was me. Um, I mean, we, <laughs> by the world standard, we live pretty, pretty opulently. And well, yes, by the world standard, we probably everyone on this call does. Yes. I, I mean, I can give you an example. Um, I was, Jayadwaita Swami's servant for a year when I was a brahmachari and he was just so naturally renounced he didn't have to try he didn't have to grit his teeth he just was so naturally renounced 
that I could, that, that was when I was trying to decide whether to get married or not. And I just decided, I, I'm not like him. I don't have that natural, effortless, effortless renunciation that, that he had. Yeah. He, he, might di- he might differ with you that it's effortless. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Well, some uh, of it too is so it's at the really, really renounced levels where it includes even family and stuff like that. I mean, some of that is just so, so hard to fathom, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I went with Guy Dwayne Swami this winter, past winter, to Florida to see his 97 year old mom. And then a few months later, she left this world. Robin, and then Prabhu, you look like you wanted to say something. Is that right? No, oh, Prabhu, I'm good. Okay. All right. Shall we carry on? Which, um, which, uh, I'm sorry, which text are we on now? Uh, we're on 7, 10. We're just about to start 15. 15, okay. 15 to 17, actually. So Prahlad Maharaj said, so now, Lord, uh, Prahlad, Prahlad Maharaj is replying to Lord Nishingadev. He says, O Supreme Lord, because you are so merciful to the fallen souls, I ask you for only one benediction. I know that my father, at the time of his death, had already been purified by your glance upon him. But because of his ignorance of your beautiful power and supremacy, he was unnecessarily angry at you, falsely thinking that you were the killer of his brother. Thus, he directly blasphemed your lordship, the spiritual master of all living beings, and committed heavily sinful activities directed against me, your devotee. I wish that he be excused for all these sinful activities. So this is, you know, Srila Prabhupada points to this often, that this is pretty special, (laughs) obviously. You can get, you know, somebody, you can ask for anything, any benediction, and what do you ask? is that someone who greatly offended you, tried to kill you, is relieved of the reactions to that. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable, actually. It's remarkable. You know, where, you know, he could have said, you know, give me, uh, you know, a couple of planets to rule over or give me, you know, 10,000 beautiful wives or whatever. He could have asked for anything. And this is what he asked for. This is... Um, <clears throat> the heart of a Vaishnava. Next verse. Supreme personality. Of, now, and now listen to uh, what uh, Lord Nishingadev offers him, you know, uh, following up on that benediction. My dear Prahlad, O most pure, O great saintly person, your father has been purified. Along, it's already done. Along with 21 forefathers in your family. Because you were born in this family, the entire dynasty, or in, in Europe they say dynasty, has been purified. And then Prabhupada says something very interesting in the purport that he said, thus when a last sentence, when a Vaishnava takes birth in a family, by the grace of the Lord, he purifies not only that family, but also the families of his previous births. How do you like that? <laughs> families of his previous births. You know? I know like, so my, 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 um, yeah. yeah, David says, wow. Uh, like what I'm counting on is, uh, my son becoming a pure devotee. And then I'm like, that, that's all good for me. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's where, uh, that's where my hope lies. 
like that, or the fact that my mom passed away in Vrindavan, so maybe I'm going to get some, you know, good, uh, good spiritual credit for that one, but we'll see. But anyway, it, um, it's quite powerful. The, um, because, I mean, not, not because, but one, one way to look at this is really bhakti is very rare. Krishna says, Manusyanam sahastre shu kaschidya tati siddhaye. Uh, what's the next line, Raghunam? Um, kaschidya tati siddhaye. Mm, or Nandi Muki or somebody or Shakshi or Jiva or Nandi Mani, somebody must. Um, Manusyanam sahastre shu kaschidya tati siddhaye. Yatatam apisidhanam kaschame. It's something like that. It's the first. Anyway, does anyone know that verse? Um, the third verse. Out of many thousands amongst men, uh, one may endeavor for perfection. And of those who have achieved perfection, hardly one knows me in truth. So if somebody finds that, put it, please put it in the chat. Might be, um, that the English I, I just said is exactly right. Um, and, but, uh, you know, I haven't used that verse in a while, so I forgot it. But anyway, Krishna is showing how rare it is out of many. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yata, oh, I think I got it. So knowing me in truth. Um, so out of many thousands uh, of people, uh, one may achieve perfection. And, have, and in one sense, out of thousands of those, one may actually get bhakti. And there's the Sanskrit for um Nandi Mukhi, who can read Sanskrit, <laughs> or whoever. <laughs> Thank you, Jiva. It's 7.3. Um, and, and, and we see that, you know, the Vedic literature, most of it is not about bhakti, because most of it is, you know, uh, it, it, bhakti is the, you know, the, it's the top of the pyramid, right? It's the, it's that small part on top, the highest of the high. So it's, um, Oh, there we go. Out of many thousands of men, one may endeavor. Yeah, I got it right. Okay. Thank you. Um, so there, so it's, you know, we, we kind of take it a little for granted because we're in a society of everyone who's practicing bhakti and Prabhupada by his potency brought so many people to Krishna consciousness, but it's rare. And, and, and therefore, you know, the, if someone actually gets perfection in this, this is not an, this is not, um, it's 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 achievable that that the twenty one forefathers twenty one the, the Prabhupada says the Sanskrit is three saptabi saptabi which means seven times three, and he even says you know you can count back four five generations, but it's really hard to count beyond that generally speaking. Right? Some people in America will say yes, you know, uh, so my so and so. Great, so and so fought in the Civil War or was in the uh, independence, and I think in, uh, in in Europe you can go back further. My wife's from Ireland, and you know she has a family insignia which I think goes back pretty far. Um, but twenty one generations—that uh, that's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Any thoughts on this point and this great benediction that Lord Nishingadev? Is giving to Prahlad and and thereby to all devotees. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes, Nani I'm thinking about this 21 generations in terms of uh, Prahlad Maharaj. 
the father of Pralama Maharaj is Hiranyakashipu, and his father is Kashyapamuni, and his father is Marichi uh, Muni, and then his father is Lord Brahma. Wow. That's all. <laughs> so it's already 21 generation, it's already in another universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very quickly, right? But we also see that he has 21 different births, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you for that, Nani Mukhi. Um, Anything else? So we're doing, you know, great service by becoming a great, by if we can become a great devotee, or even a not-so-great devotee, but, you know, a good devotee. Next verse is 19. Whenever and wherever there are peaceful, equipoised devotees who are well-behaved and decorated with all good qualities, that place and the, the dynasty there, even if condemned, are purified. So devotees purify places. We read that also, Tirta Kurvanti Tirtani, that a devotee, a great devotee purifies even the holy places. So it's really a remarkable thing and a rare thing to have a, such a great devotee as Pallad Maharaj. My dear Pallad, King, uh, verse 20, King of the Daityas, because of being attached to devotional service to me, my devotee does not distinguish between lower and higher living entities. In all respects, he is never jealous of anyone. So he doesn't, you know, he may notice that somebody is a king and someone's a street sweeper or someone's a animal or this or that, but uh, very quickly, um, besides seeing that external, sees them all ultimately as Krishna's service, servant. Jivera Swarupaya Krishnara Nitilas. Those who follow your example will naturally become my pure devotees. You are the best example of my devotee, and others should follow in your footsteps. So that's what we should do. We should uh, try to emulate um, Prahlad Maharaj's um, consciousness and his behavior. My dear child, your father has already been purified just by the touch of my body at the time of his death. Nonetheless, the duty of a son is to perform the Shraddha ritualistic ceremony after his father's death so that his father may be promoted to a planetary system where he may become a good citizen and devotee. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that Prahlad Maharaj was advised to perform the ritualistic ceremony as a matter of etiquette for the Supreme Personality of God and under no circumstances wants to stop the regulated principles. So it wasn't that being a great devotee, he didn't need to follow this, um, this Shraddha ceremony or any other ceremony to, I mean, uh, Shringadev just said that, you know, 21 generations. So, um, but still to follow, you know, especially in those days, the, uh, the standard process that most people who weren't on the level of bhakti would follow, he gave him, he instructed to do that, but he didn't need to because we just heard that there was no necessity. He's already purified 21 generations, what to speak of his father. Mm-hmm. So that is um, a somewhat tricky point for us in our ISKCON society. It comes up, you know, uh, every now and then that for devotees, 
Um, there's the Vedic uh, rituals and things are just not ne- necessary. They focus on bhakti and bhakti transcends that. Um, then Prabhupada would sometimes say, but Vaishnava is not such a cheap thing. And he, you know, would say that, you know, therefore, we, you know, we tried to follow at least some of the practices of, uh, Varna Ashram. Um, so trying to know that balance of, um, well, we could say it, we could put it this way of really focusing on pure devotional service and Krishna and our japa and, and our sadhana practices and then, um, living peacefully and piously in this world and that, you know, balance uh and that may be that balance may be different you know let's even even simple things like focusing on our work that may differ at different times in our in our careers in our life um but of course the ultimate reality is the bhakti and the the spiritual practices but one who um as as dean was kind of indicating uh, about how one who tries to renounce things and just focus on those exclusively prematurely um, may suffer some regret later on. Right? So um, any questions, comments on that point? Okay. And after performing, this is verse 23. After performing the ritualistic ceremonies, <clears throat> take charge of your father's kingdom. Sit upon the throne and do not be disturbed by materialistic activities. Please keep your mind fixed upon me without transgressing the injunctions of the Vedas as a matter of formality. You may perform your particular duty. So that's exactly um, supporting what we were just said that, right? Really just perform bhakti. Please have your mind fixed on me. But without transgressing the different ritualistic things, as a matter of formality, you can do those duties. And Prabhupada writes, the very first sentence, when one becomes a devotee, he no longer has any duty to the Vedic regulated principles. <laughs> right? And then he quotes a very famous verse in the 11th canto about obligation. <clears throat> And Devarshi Putapta Rinam Pitrinam, that one who has fully surrendered to Krishna is no longer a debtor to the forefathers, the sadhus, the human society, etc., etc., etc. But still, Krishna, uh, Lord Nishingdev, advised Prahlad to follow the regulated principles, for since he was going to be king, Others would follow his example. So that's, that's a very important point, right? That, um, it, it really comes together in, in Prabhupada because we want to follow in Prabhupada's footsteps, but not imitate him, right? There's these two words. Uh, can anyone remember the two Sanskrit words? Anushar, Anusharanam, is it? And what's the, I can't hear you, uh, Ananda Rupa Devi? Anukaran and Anusharan. Thank you. Which one is which? Anukaran is imitating. Yep, Jiva Prabhu is saying yes. Anukaran is imitating. Anusharan is taking shelter of the in the uh-huh. So you're following your you're following your husband's guidance. <laughs> <laughs> but you got the Sanskrit right. <laughs> yes. So um so that's it's tricky because as Srila Prabhupada once said to us, especially when he we were much younger then, 
Um, but he said, you know, I can, when he would sometimes chastise somebody and he said, I can get away with this. I'm an old man, but you cannot. So that's the very simple thing, like chastising someone. Um, and what to speak of his level of devotion. Uh, and at the same time, we want to follow in his footsteps. Um, so that sometimes becomes, uh, you know, we have to give maybe some guidance from other devotees. Uh, you know, if we read something in Lilamrita and we try to imitate what Prabhupada did, okay, that may be hard, but following in his footsteps, following his instructions is, is greatly desirable. And we see even in our society that, you know, a, a, um, young devotee may try to imitate what an older devotee does. And it's just like an older devotee, um, may, you know, for health reasons, they're in their seventies now, they can't go to Mangalarti every day. And somebody says, Oh, well, Maharaj, so and so Maharaj doesn't go to Mangalarti. Well, you know, you're 22 years old. <laughs> you, what's your excuse? <laughs> you know, like that. So that's just a simple example. Mm. But um, another example is renunciation. That you know, um, a per, a person who doesn't have those some scars of, of of renunciation would not want to necessarily follow in the footsteps of a sannyasi when they're not ready to do that yet. Mm. But st- but here's the point that Pilad Maharaj didn't need to do these things. He was way transcendental to the you know Vedic cultural. Uh, things, but he did that because he, the praja, the people in his kingdom were not so, were not on that level. And if, if he were to just say, I don't need to do these things, then they would say this, they could say the same thing. And for them, the, the, the rituals are off, the Vedic injunctions and the Vedic principles are, um, probably calls them here regulated principles are very helpful for, for them. Hmm. And therefore, thus, Lord Nishingadeva advised Pallad Maharaj to engage in his political duties so that people would become the Lord's devotees. And then Prabhupada concludes that one should not be attached to any materialistic activities, but a devotee may perform such activities as an example to show the common man that one should not deviate from the Vedic injunctions. And here it's interesting, materialistic activities and Vedic injunctions are basically synonymous here. But, you know, again, these are the karma kandic activities um, that may not be that spiritual, but they keep a society um, at peace. You know, um, walking an old lady across the street or planting um, uh, fruit trees along a path that many people, you know, this is the old days. Um, that may not be in and of itself directly connected with Krishna consciousness, but it's, it, it makes for a nice society. <clears throat> and as a, for the common person, um, doing such things is much better than, you know, partying all night and driving drunk and the things that people can do with an unregulated life. So I, this is important to understand this quite, quite clearly, actually. So some comments, questions? Yeah, um, just what what might be some examples of Vedic injunctions? I mean, I, I'm assuming that it's the sort of, um, for lack of a better term, procedural or um, not procedural, but just religious ceremonies and things of like that. It can be that, yes. Um, 
It can be some of the details which we'll get into in subsequent chapters of Varna Ashrama, which, you know, is the, um, the caste system is a corruption of which the caste system is a corruption. But that people who were Brahmins, people who were Tetrias, people who were Vaishas, people who were Sudras, women, etc., um, they had certain duties in society. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the, the Brahmins would, you know, um, they would be, as, sometimes they would be astrologers, they would be, um, um, would, do, would Brahmins be Vaidyas, doctors? Or doctors fall under a different category? Anyone know? Um, and, and they would offer these, uh, and they would perform the different, um, uh, so Vedic rituals. Like you had, a, I went to your Vedic ritual, your wedding. Different rites relevant yes, different to whatever they're right. So doing. the and and I'm sure for uh, your daughter, you had probably you know the grain ceremony after six months, right? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, the first day of school is a Vedic ceremony, and of course the funeral is a Vedic ceremony, and uh, um, so there's ten of right. them all together. So those things are there, and we of course in this kind we spiritualize them by kirtan by distributing prasadam and things just like, you know, at your wedding, you know, the, the devotee, you had a devotee doing the uh, priestly work and, you know, they were chanting mantras connected with, uh, with Krishna. Uh, I wish you would have explained more to your side of the family, what the heck was going on, but. <laughs> no, it was fine. I, they were so fascinated by it. It was very interesting. Uh, yeah. yes. I would never have thought like, There'd be so much interest. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Plus, um, interesting. So there's that. Um, there's there is the shrad ceremony, the offering of prasad to your forefathers, so they so they are freed from other from reactions. Uh, what else? Um, I, I mean, we have devotees here. From, we have Raghunandan from South India. He must know all kinds of these things, or Jiva and Ananda, or, um, Man or Saradiya. Anyone uh, come up with more or uh, Shakshi? Others? We have grain eating ceremony and then we have the the alphabet learning ceremony for the kids. So um, at each and every stage there are various ceremonies that are performed. Mm. Upanayana also. Oh yeah, Upanayana. For Brahmins. For Brahmins only or for Brahmins, Vaishyas and uh, Brahmanas and Vaishyas and Kshatriyas. Yeah, so you get one of the you get this thread at uh, like thirteen years old. Depends on the varna, right? For from for brahmanas, the early childhood. Uh, for vaishyas, they do the marriage before the marriage. Uh-huh. I'm not sure about the kshatriyas. Right. So there's all the and there's and there's many 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 more other things about varnashrama life, um, or we could say using uh, I really like this. Uh, Using modern day parlance, um, things that would be nice for community building, right? So community building, you may, you may build a hospital, you may, um, you may, um, you know, have a, you know, a, uh, way to collect plastics for recycling and, you know, all those things. They may not be directly Hare Krishna, you know, but they create a, um, they help the community. 
and, you know, keeping, you know, garbage collecting. I mean, all these things are really important, right? You know, and, and, and there may be a harvest festival. That's a, like the, a, a tradition in many, many parts of the world, right? In, in India, there's, 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 in South India, what is it called a harvest festival? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's harvest festivals back, you know, Thanksgiving. I mean, there's the harvest festivals in all parts of the world. Um, so is this, is this help, Dean, to give a little bit more of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. There, there's Bhumi Puja, too. Yeah, there's Bhumi Puja, right? <laughs> yes. And for that one, of course, we did Bhumi Puja for building a temple. There's, uh, Griha Pravesh, which I think, uh, both, uh, uh, um, Shakshi Prabhu and uh, Raghunandan Prabhu probably had recently. And, you know, when you move into a new house, right? And things like that. So there are these things, but, you know, ultimately you just have to chant Hare Krishna, right? That, that transcends everything. I remember when, um, we went to, I went with my, with Buri Jump from my Guru Maharaj to some function. Um, it may have even been my son's um, first grains. And he said, he said, yes, we did this and that. He said, but from Christian's point of view, the kirtan was the most important thing. And Prabhupada also said that when they were uh, opening of the temple in the Krishna Balaram temple in Vrindavan, and he had all kinds of uh, Brahmins doing this and that and chanting mantras. And, uh, and he said, he said, um, Really, all that was needed was the kirtan. But because the local people would have considered that insufficient, we did all these other things. Right? So that, I hope that clarifies things, Dean. Other questions, comments? Okay. Then let us continue to 24. Srinarda continued. So, Narada, so remember, this is a story within a story. So now this is Narada. Speaking to Yudhisthira, right? Thus, as the Supreme Personality of God had ordered, Prahlad Maharaj performed the ritualistic ceremonies for his father. O King Yudhisthira, he was then, then enthroned in the kingdom of Hiranyakashipu as directed by the Brahmins. Report, therefore in society there must be a very intelligent class of leaders who are well-versed in the Vedic knowledge so that they can guide the entire populace to follow the Vedic principles and thus gradually, see there, that's the, the Vedic principles are sattvic, they're in the mode of goodness, and they can gradually lead someone to Krishna consciousness. So, um, a Brahmin, you know, real Brahmin uh, is, or let's say a real Brahmin, that's not a good way to put it, a very effective Brahmin, is so intelligent and yet humble. They, they don't, they're not proud of their knowledge. Um, and are very much in a service attitude. They're meant to serve the rest of society, not take service. They can take service on behalf of Krishna. Yes. But that's not the, you know, a Brahmin Vaishnava, that is not their focus. Their focus is to offer service and to be so intelligent, not just book knowledge, but um, but application and, and kindness and encouragement and um, 
yeah, so many things that make up a uh, the way uh, you know Brahmins in in such a society really helped the uh, it, it's like the total opposite of you know the caste system where someone if they're a Brahmin they you know they think they're on the top of the heap and and you know the main thing they want is dakshina you know to give people to give donations to them. And that's that beautiful story, uh, not story, but that beautiful time that when Prabhupada was in Sweden, a socialistic, a socialist country, and he was trying to explain um, the Varnashram system, not the caste system, the Varnashram And he said first class, second class, third class, fourth. That was the way he tried to put into English Brahman Chatri Vaishya Sudra. Um, and one student yells out, I've told this story before, and what class are you? thinking that Prabhupada was going to say he's a Brahmin in the first class. And Prabhupada lowered his head and said, I am the fifth class. I am the servant of everyone. <laughs> so that is uh, Vaishnava. That is devotee. Hmm. So anything on that? Okay, then we can go on. Lord, Lord, Just interrupt me if you want to say something. Lord Brahma, 25, surrounded by... The other demigods was bright faced because the Lord was pleased. So he had seen the Lord being very angry and, and he couldn't pacify him and the other demigods couldn't pacify him. It's like, oh, but he was bright faced now the seeing that Krishna in the form of Lord Nishane Dave is pleased. Thus he offered prayers to the Lord with transcendental words. Now, you know, <laughs> we're going to read a few, just a few verses from Lord Brahma, but you can imagine how how um, pacified, not the right word, uh, relieved, relieved Lord Brahma is. Because in a few verses, we're going to find out that uh, Lord Nishrindi wasn't so pleased that he offered this benediction. Because <laughs> he had a common, you know, do so many things to uh, fulfill his, desire, his, his words. Um, but, you know, Lord Brahma, knowing that he kind of blew it, you know, like if you make a big mistake and... Either the other, let's say you maybe even commit an offense and the other devotee says, no, no, I forgive you. And you just go, oh, what a relief, right? Or, you know, you, um, you're speeding and you pass a police car and he doesn't turn on his lights and stop you and you go, oh, and then you slow down and try to go, you know, just the speed limit or a little above it. You kind of got a reprieve. Right, so Lord Brahma, I think, is a little like that here. He says, O Supreme Lord of all lords, proprietor of the entire universe, O benedictor of all living entities, O original person, Adipurusha, because of our good fortune, you have now killed this sinful demon who was giving trouble to the entire universe. This demon, verse 27, Hiranyakashipu, received from me. So he said, I blew it, I'm sorry. Receive from me the benediction that he would not be killed by any living being within my creation. With this assurance and with strength derived from austerities and mystic power, he became exceedingly proud and transgressed all Vedic injunctions. My Lord, O Supreme Personality of God, you are the Supreme Soul. If one meditates upon your transcendental body, you naturally protect him from all sources of fear, even the imminent danger of death. Oh, I think I missed one, right? I missed uh, 28. By great fortune, Hiranyakashipu's son, Pallad Maharaj, has now been released from death. And although he is a child, he is an exalted devotee. Now he is fully under the protection of your lotus feet. 
And then in the purports of 29, Prabhupada writes that everyone has a limited duration of life. But a devotee's lifetime can be extended by the mercy of the Supreme Lord, who is able to nullify the results of one's karma. So Prabhupada is really <laughs> speaking from realization here. Um, he, I'm trying to f- see if I can find it real quickly here. Um, he wrote in his diary in um, the 31st of August, um, passed over a great crisis um, in the struggle for life and death. I'm trying to, it's hard to read his handwriting. Um, let me see. There's a, um, there is a translation of it. Hold on. I thought I saw it somewhere. Hmm. Anyway, he, um, let me see if I can copy this. Yeah. So this is in his diary. Oh, wait. Well, let's see. Screen share. How should I do this? Okay. I think I can do this. Uh, I don't know if you can see that so well. There you go. Passed over a great crisis <clears throat> on the struggle for life and death. A What's that word there? A separate statement has been written on this crisis. And, oh, here, duh, it's right there. <laughs> Passed over a great crisis on the struggle for life. A separate statement has to be written on this crisis area. So Prabhupada, you know, uh, experienced two heart attacks. Um, and this was right when he was in the Suez Canal area, um, 56 years ago. Um, and the Jaladutta. So this devotee, Guru Garanga Prabhu, he has this wonderful, uh, uh, he follows every year from July to September Prabhupada's journey on the exact day. And so he sends this to me every day. Um, so this is Port, Port Suez, uh, where he, uh, arrived there. And then a little idea, picture of, um, of the trip in that part. And that Prabhupada, um, had a uh, dream. Um, let's see, where is it now? He does it every year? Yeah. He follows it every year. Yeah. Um, as a Jalat, Srila Prabhupada journeyed, as a Jalat Dutta applied, uh, can I make this bigger? Well, you can see it, I guess. Applied the waters of the Arabian Sea. Prabhupada suffered two severe heart attacks. He was concerned that he might pass away, but had a dream, a vision in which Lord Sri Krishna appeared to him while he slept uneasy, uneasily. The Lord was in an open boat along with his other incarnations. Krishna was rowing the boat and the boat was pulling Srila Prabhupada's ship with a rope. Krishna was smiling at Srila Prabhupada and pulled the ship all the way to America. Srila Prabhupada did not write about this vision in his diary but simply drew a line through those troubled days, declaring that he had passed over a great crisis. And then later, uh, he had this conversation uh, in 1976. Uh, Prabhupada, there were, there were two days when I was attacked in heart on the ship, so much hardship, Shripakamaraj, then you had a dream? Hmm? What was that, Srila Prabhupada? The dream was, I must come here. It was some instruction you got? The dream was that Krishna in his many forms was bowing, bowing, rowing the, the row, the row. <laughs> what is called rowing the boat? Yes. Jai. And when I arrived in Boston, I wrote that poem. So, um, 
so then, you know, so Prabhuji does these things. Uh, he uh, takes uh, you through the picture of the Suez Canal as Prabhupada might have seen it back many years ago. This is and, kind of interesting. Uh, if I if if one didn't know any better, they would think it's uh, mimicking the you know Moses leading the <laughs> Israelites out of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, well, it's close, right? Yeah, yeah. And then this, he would uh, in the Suez Canal, he would have seen this mosque that was there uh, in that year. And there's the Suez Canal, and there's you know what some of the kind of things Prabhupada would have seen. And yeah, this is the mosque. Sorry, this is the mosque uh, in Port Said that uh, Prabhupada would have gone right past. And then this is the further journey uh, on the boat. Um, so, and then there was a there was a rehearsal for emergency. We all prepared with belts on the body, and the lifeboat was tested whether they were in order. There were two boats with capacity to load 120 persons, but we were about 55 on board. Anyway, it's uh, it's quite wonderful. But my point is that Prabhupada had. Uh, let me just see if I can find this one other thing. Prabhupada had um, uh, this experience that Krishna, from his point of view, that Krishna um, extended his life, as it says here in this uh, report. Um, but a devotee's lifetime can be extended by the mercy of the Lord, who is able to nullify the results of one's karma. Karmani ni kintu japakti bhajam. This is the statement of Brahma Samhita. A devotee is not under the laws of karma. Therefore, even a devotee's scheduled death can be avoided by the causes mercy of the Supreme Lord. God protects the devotee, even from the extreme danger of death. So I, I just thought it's you know, naturally Prabhupada often wrote his purports from his experiences and from his realizations. I don't mean to, I don't mean to embarrass your good self, but you went through a process where you weren't sure whether you were going to live through a, a heart uh, operation. And yeah, I don't think it's quite on the same through. level. <laughs> like I think 95% of, uh, the operations that I was having um, were successful. But um, the, this, just to let you know, the surreal part of that was I, I didn't feel any symptoms. So, you know, I, I'm going to the hospital at 5.30 in the morning feeling fine and knowing that four hours from now I'm going to be the ICU unit. <laughs> you know? So that was, that was surreal. A bit. But we will all have our different tests in different ways. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a little um, interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Thank you. Uh, anything else on this idea of Krishna um, in charge of our time factor, ultimately? Okay, so then let us... Uh, oh, what, something's in the chat. Aguda, it is fascinating that all that is needed is chanting the holy name pure. Yes. Correct. That yeah. was that was uh, some time Previous ago yeah. during yeah during yeah. the discussion. Mm -hmm. But we all uh, to this point, just a quick thing. We all have to uh, even, you know. Certainly, I'm not pure, but uh, everyone who's preaching has to operate on that idea that uh, Krishna 
you're in charge. You can do with me what you like. Uh, you can take me through this situation and, uh, yeah. or, or whatever. It, because it's actually the, the reality. <laughs> it's, it's just accepting the reality, really, that Krishna is in control and, yeah. And the other thing about the, just back to Dean's point just for a second, every culture, every culture, especially every religious culture, spiritual culture, has rites of passage. Um, and as a matter of fact, one of the sad things in, in, in America today is there's so few, if any, rites of passages. I, you know, I guess there's, you know, graduation from school. As a matter of fact, you know, there's so many graduating, you know, graduating from kindergarten, graduating from third grade, you know. Um, but rites of passages are important. Um, and, and they were linked ultimately to cultures. You know, was, in Judaism, you have the bar mitzvah at the age of 13. And the funny thing was at that time in, in, in bygone days, you became a man and you'd start working or whatever, you know, uh, now it's, uh, you have a bar mitzvah and then Monday you go back to seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. It's a different time, place and circumstance. Okay. Let's carry on. The personality of God had replied, my dear Lord Brahma, Oh, great Lord born from the lotus flower. Just as it is dangerous to feed milk to a snake, so it is dangerous to give benedictions to demons who are by nature ferocious and jealous. I warn you not to give such benedictions to any demon again. So it is a great, this is a great verse, right? That on one hand, he's saying, okay, you made this mistake. He explained why you shouldn't do it. He was like a perfect teacher, right? Perfect guru, uh, uh, you made this mistake. This is why it's a mistake. Don't do it again. <laughs> right? You know, it's, I, I, I find this to be a, a um, there's no purple, but I find it to be a, uh, amazing, um, verse. You know, I warn you not to give such benedictions to any demon again. Please don't do this. <laughs> um, and I think there's a lesson here for us that, okay, so, if we do get off, just like, you know, if you do drive past the state police at 75 miles an hour and he doesn't go out after you, it it's probably makes a lot of sense to slow down <laughs> and not tempt faith again, not think, oh, well, he didn't catch me this time, so he probably won't the next time, right? Um, or, you know, whatever, we make some mistake in life and we don't want to um, beat ourselves up about it too much. Uh, some repentance is good, but, um, but the mind sometimes loves to dwell and really, you know, get on our case and get into a whole, the opposite of self-compassion. We become into, you know, self-flagellation, self, you know, pity. Um, and just, uh, try to correct ourselves. And this is what the Lord is saying here. Hmm. Do not give such benedictions again. <laughs> Any demon. Isn't it kind of fascinating that he would even have to to say that to the most the Lord Brahma, the the uh, supermost living being in this universe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all need to, you know, he is still a uh, conditioned soul. He's still a jiva. Of course, he's the head of our sampradaya and all that. You know, um, there's different ways to say it, but he's still 
um, needs every even the heads of our sampradaya need instructions by the Lord. So what to speak of us, right? And I'm just trying to you know you know kind of uh, modernize or trying to understand. Just imagining Lord Nishingen just telling Lord Brahma, please. Bas, bas, bas. No more. No more. Now, Nardamuni is speaking. Uh, oh, wait. No, we knew that. Um, yes. O King Yudhisthira, the Supreme Personality of God, who is not visible to an ordinary human being, spoke in this way, instructing Lord Brahma. Then, being worshipped by Brahma, the Lord disappeared from that place. Prahlad Maharaj then worshipped and offered prayers to all the demigods, such as Brahma, Shiva, and the Prajapatis, who are all parts of the Lord. Thereafter, along with Supracharya and other great saints, Lord Brahma, whose seat is on the lotus flower, made Prahlad the king of all the demons and giants, all the demons and giants in the universe. O King Yudhisthira, after all the demigods headed by Lord Brahma were properly worshipped by Prahlad Maharaj, they offered Prahlad their utmost benedictions and then returned to their respective abodes. Thus, the two associates of Lord Vishnu, who had become Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, the sons of Diti, were both killed. By illusion, they had thought that the Supreme Lord, who was situated in everyone's heart, was their enemy. Purport. The discourse concerning Lord Nishingadev and Pallad Maharaj began with when Pallad, uh, Maharaj Yudhisthira asked Narada how Shishupal had merged into the body of Krishna. Shishupal and Dantavakra were the same, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. Here Narada Muni is relating how in three different births the associates of Lord Vishnu were killed by Lord Vishnu himself. First they were the demons Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. In curse, the uh, next verse, um, well, let's see, is there anything to say on that? No, um, no, we'll, t- we'll talk about it a little later. Being cursed by the Brahmanas, the same two associates took birth again as Kumbhakarna and the ten-headed Ravana. These two Raksha- Rakshashas were killed by Lord Ramachandra's extraordinary power. Pierced by the arrows of Lord Ramachandra, both Kumbhakarna and Ravana, lay on the ground and left their bodies, fully absorbed in thought of the Lord, just as they had in their previous births as Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. They both took birth again in human society as Shishupal and Dantavakra and continued in the same enmity toward the Lord. It is they who merged into the body of the Lord in your presence. Hmm. Okay, continue. Not only Shishupal and Dantravakra, but many, many other kings who acted as enemies of Krishna attained salvation at the end, at the time of death. Because they thought of the Lord, they received spiritual bodies and forms the same as his, just as worms captured by a black drone obtain the same type of body as the drone. Okay, so we'll read one more and then we'll comment on this. So then a famous verse, oh wait, wait, uh, yeah, I'll just read a few more because there's, there's an important point here, but I'll just read a few. By devotional service, pure devotees who incessantly think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead receive bodies similar to his. This is known as Sarupya Mukti. Although Shishupal, Dantravakra, and other kings thought of Krishna as an enemy, they also achieved the same result. 
Okay, so this point about the same result, let us um, let, let us discuss that a little bit. Um, I'm going to just, uh, I'll put it on screen in a second when we get there. Okay, so there's an important verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita about this. This is the Adi Lila. Uh, when it has when it has been stated that the Lord's enemies and devotees attain the same destination, this refers to the ultimate oneness of Brahman and Lord Krishna. In other words, they're both spiritual. This may be understood by the example of the sun and the sunshine, in which Brahman is like the sunshine and Krishna himself is like the sun. And then Prabhupada goes into some detail in the purport, which I don't think we need to cover right now, but just making the point that the same destination means they both achieve something spiritual, but not that, um, not on the same level, just like there's a verse, let me see. Uh, here. Um, here we go. Uh, although his pastimes are his only characteristic functions, by his causes mercy he performs at one activity for the fallen souls. He delivers the fallen souls by offering them four kinds of liberation. Salokya, Samipya, Sharsti, and Sarupya. And that um, is um, the same planet. What are, does anyone remember the, all four of them? It's mentioned in the purport. The same planet. Okay, here we are. Uh, Salokya, uh, status equal to that of the Lord. Samipya, constant association with Lord. Sharsti, uh, opulence equal to Lord and Sarupya features like those of the Lord. Those who attain Brahma Soyuja Muti, that means merging into the Lord, cannot gain entrance into Vaikuntha. Their residence is outside the Vaikuntha planets. Outside the Vaikuntha planets is the atmosphere of the glowing effulgence, which consists of the supremely bright rays of the body of Lord Krishna. That region is called Siddhaloka and is beyond the material nature. Its essence is spiritual, but it does not have spiritual varieties. It is like the, so it's spiritual also, but it doesn't have the varieties. So that's, that's the basic point. Otherwise, you know, we would probably be scratching our head and said, well, you know, I could just blaspheme Krishna all the time and I get the same destination. So any question, comment on this point? That's the, difference between our limited material brain or material logic and the absolute plane. It's its right there in front of us. We, at least my tiny brain cannot comprehend the volumes of sinful activities of a Kamsa or, or a, a Sishupal or whatever. And yet they attain, or Putana for that matter, but they attain uh, absolute status that just well, is, a, is a way of proving that absolute is overriding everything. Yes, and this is discussed um, especially in the Raganuga Bhakti part of the um, Nectar of Devotion, or Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, because uh, the verse... Um, that was quoted before talks about um, only certain things can be classified as 
as rag or as real attachment to the Lord, which is anukul, which is favorable. Even though Shishupal and Kansa, they were really absorbed in thinking of Krishna, but it wasn't favorable. It wasn't with, you know, love. It was out of fear and out of envy. Um, and, and we, we, we experience this in our own lives. Sometimes we can think almost as, if not more intensely about someone who's, you know, we consider an enemy or, you know, um, than we do sometimes about our loved ones, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, for the last four years prior to January, you know, I, I think a lot of Democrats were, were meditating on the, the president like nonstop. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, maybe as intensely as, as the people who supported him. <laughs> maybe. They still uh, are, it seems like. Yeah. So it, I mean, you know, and, and I think we have in our own lives, if someone who, you know, we're afraid of or we're really, really angry at or they said something terrible to our spouse or this or that. We can really think of that person very intensely, almost, you know, it seems spontaneous, like Raghunuga Bhakti is, right? Spontaneous. Uh, whereas our thinking of Krishna doesn't feel that spontaneous yet. And that's why Rupa Goswami is, makes that distinction. That it's, yes, it's very intense. So it's mentioned in that verse in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, first chapter, but it's not Raghunuga Bhakti. It's not anukul. It's not favorable. Well, in, in that case, so, you know, a, a Kamsa who does all evil activities, it's almost as though because he's, you know, thinking of Krishna, all, all the, he doesn't get held accountable for any of that. Well, he does, because he's not getting the same destination as the gopis. And of course, Krishna's pastimes, and, you know, that, I mean, when we use the examples of these great, great people in the Shastra, like Kansa. But yes, it's explained now, he doesn't get the same destination as the gopis or as the cowherd boys, right, who are serving Krishna favorably. But, there is some appreciation about just how fixed he was out of fear, right? Because he gets a, a, a body like the Lord and a... Well, but that's, but that's why, I know it says that here, but that's why, you know, we, we had the further explanation that he gets, uh, he's outside of the Vaikuntha planets, it says. Mm. I just read. Mm. Okay, well, let's see. We had a few more verses that we wanted to cover today. Uh, so now, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's kind of saying, all right, I think I answered your questions. He's saying everything you asked about me, you asked me about how Shishupal and others attained salvation, although they were inimical, has now been explained to you by me. In this narration about Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, at various expansions, where incarnations of the Lord have been described, and the killing of the two demons, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu, has also been described. Mm-hmm. And um, Prabhupada very boldly says in the purport that the Shastras say everywhere that Krishna is the original personality of Godhead, and that he has innumerable avatars um, or incarnations. So, Definitely, I don't know about others, but I know, um, I would assume, 
not I don't know, but I would assume that like for Shakshi Gopal and um, Raghunanda and Prabhu, they were because they I think were both from the south. That most pe- many people in the south would not have this understanding that Krishna is the original supreme personality of God, but rather that Narayan is, and that Krishna is a incarnation of Narayan. Is that right? Is that a fair statement for many people in the south? You're on, you're on mute. Go ahead, Raghunath. Yes and no. Uh, even though they say um, Krishna is an incarnation of this uh, of Narayan, the understanding still was like Rama, Krishna, and Narayan are on the same mm. level and the same Supreme Lord. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, let's speak of demigod worshippers. That's a whole other thing, right? Um, but this is very powerful. And of course, this is, you know, um, the genius of Jiva Goswami and understanding Canto 1, Chapter 3, Verse 28, uh, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And Krishna, the actual word Krishna, uh, or, um, is in this verse, Krishnasya. Okay, so let us... Oh, um, and Prabhupada writes... Oh, no, we'll, we'll uh, carry on. And so let's see. 20, well, we can read this. It's just, uh, you just, it's just one of those examples that you have to be a little careful about, um, uh, taking words out of context. <laughs> because Prabhupada writes, the Krishna conscious movement is spreading all over the world with two aims to establish Krishna as the supreme personality of God and to kill all the pretenders who falsely present themselves as avatars. The preachers of the Krishna conscious movement carry out, must carry out this conviction very carefully within their hearts and kill the demons who in many tactful ways vilify the supreme personality of Godhead Krishna. Now, obviously, if we, uh, we don't literally go out and kill people who don't accept Krishna, uh, we try to, um, if we want to use the word kill, we want to kill their, um, selfish demoniac uh, mindset and try to make them good-hearted, loving, caring, God, if not God-loving, at least God-fearing, right? So we, we, we want to be careful about, you know, you know uh, not knowing that, knowing that Prabhupada did not literally mean, you know, killing so I, I picked that up and said, wait, 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 don't read that in the wrong way. <laughs> Any questions or comments on that? that? That's Prabhupada even has said and elsewhere that Lord Chaitanya didn't kill like Lord Krishna did. He killed the, the mentality by giving them the chance to chant the holy name. So that's uh, important. Uh, this narration describes the characteristics of the great and exalted devotee, Pallad Maharaj, his staunch devotional service, his perfect knowledge, and his perfect detachment from material contamination. It also describes the Supreme Personality of God as the cause of creation, maintenance, and annihilation. Pallad Maharaj, in his prayers, has described the transcendental qualities of the Lord and has also described how the various abodes of the demigods and demons, regardless of how material opulent, are destroyed by the mere direction of the Lord. 45. The principles of religion by which one can actually understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead are called Bhagavad Dharma. In this narration, therefore, what, which deals with these principles, actual transcendence is properly described. So it's kind of like summarizing 
he, what he's been talking about. One who hears and chants this narration about the omnipotence of the Supreme Personality of God and Vishnu is certainly liberated from material bondage without fail. And we heard earlier, Kale, in due course of time. <laughs> Balad Maharaj was the best among exalted devotees. Anyone who with great attention hears this narration concerning the activities of Pallad Maharaj, the killing of Hiranyakashipu, and the activities of the Supreme Personality of God, Narsinghadev, surely reaches the spiritual world where there is no anxieties. This is sometimes called Shruti Fal, or the fruit of hearing a pastime. Narada continued, My dear Maharaj Yudhisthir, all of you, the Pandavas, are extremely fortunate for the Supreme Personality of God that lives in your palace, just like a human being. Great saintly persons know this uh, very well, and therefore, they constantly visit this house. So this is the start of another section of this chapter. So I think it makes sense to stop there. But uh, any questions, comments, anything you want to discuss about what we've been talking about today or anything in general? One thing that struck me in um, the, the point about Prabhupada's passage, he said that um, after the heart attacks, the captain uh, went into uh, port. Is it Port Said or Port Sayed? Does anyone know the pronunciation of that port? Um, and he brought Prabhupada a uh, cooker so that he could cook his own food. And Prabhupada wrote that if he hadn't done that, he probably, Prabhupada probably wouldn't have stayed alive. But because he was able to cook his own food and, and make it prasad and offer it to Krishna, etc., he, he said that really saved him on the rest of the journey. So imagine the, uh, <laughs> the credits that, that captain gets for that one act of kindness, right? Because Prabhupada said he wouldn't have made it to America otherwise. So the captain must get all kinds of um, kudos from Krishna for for doing that. And he would gather the, the, the people on the ship around sometimes and talk about Krishna, and they've celebrated Janmasthami on the boat as well. But uh, it's it's pretty uncanny that Prabhupada, at almost 70 years old, went on a steamship. From That's Italy just fascinating to me that uh, who is it? Gora, the the devotee who's recreating the Guru Goranga Prabhu. Guru Goranga, that's amazing. That I mean that he does it, and he does it every year. He does it every year. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, here it is. I continuous. I fasted. Here it is. Um, I'll. Sh- I can show it to you because it's so. Um, Powerful. I fasted continuously for eight days, eight to ten days. The pitta, fire, increased so much in my body, thus I suffered terribly from colic pain. Afterwards, the captain of the ship purchased an electric stove for me in Port Sayed. I then cooked for myself and took prasad. If they hadn't managed this stove for me, maybe there would not, there would have been no possibility of my reaching America. So, yeah, so the boat stopped here and I picked up uh, a cooker for Prabhupada. <laughs>
pretty, it's, it's, uh, it must be a really wonderful, I mean, it's really wonderful that Guru Guranga Prabhu does it, but what a wonderful meditation on just the different aspects of Prabhupada's journey. And he kept the journal, which is also, you know, there's so many things that, you know, like, so you, if you take a class on mindfulness or on resilience or dealing with the, the hellishness of the pandemic, they, they'll tell you certain things. Almost everyone will talk about mindfulness. People will talk about journaling. And Prabhupada was journaling before journaling was a thing. <laughs> hmm. yeah, and he kept his journal. And of course, not only him, but yeah, he, he, he did that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that used to be a really common practice. Yes. Sometimes I read, uh, get in and out of it but you know american history i've always had this goal of reading one book on each about each president mm. so far i'm only up to john quincy so i got a long way to go but <laughs> yes that's number six at least but anyway um yeah all these guys that was just seems like back in those times that's just something i'm sure probably not everyone but certainly these people that were sort of um you know well educated and whatnot did including their families and, and whatnot. Yeah, well, the famous one, one of the famous ones, of course, is Anne Frank's diary. Mm-hmm. And she was a young, young woman, young girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Prabhupada continue his diaries after he landed in America? Well, Twenty Six Second Avenue, he has a diary for sure. That's been pr- that published by the BBT. Um, I don't. I think uh, I, I don't remember seeing any others besides those two, and you know he was busy <laughs> doing other things. You could say, yeah, quite quite clearly. Um, and you could say, in one sense, he wrote a diary in, in 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 the sense that he wrote so many letters to to people like that. Anything else? Okay, so we can stop a few minutes early. Uh, because we're really at a proper junction. And I will, like I said, send out an email to let you know if uh, I'll be able to make it next week, because I will be in the United Kingdom. And- what, what was the, uh, I'm sorry to bother you, the Chaitanya Charitamita verse that you shared with us, uh, explaining the uh, the different uh, destinations? Uh, okay, let me find that. Thank you. I believe it's Adi Leela. Um, Adi chapter 5, verse 36. Thank you. Okay. All right. So have a, a very pleasant uh, week in Krishna Consciousness. Again,